0: Marks, a crippling cyber attack that fills a major U.S. energy pipeline offline Friday. If you have a copy of the Word of God that represents the voice of God, I would invite you to open with me to Psalm chapter 98. If you don't have uh, a Bible with you, no problem. I'm going to put all of this up on the screen. I want to welcome you to this gathering tonight on Christmas Eve. In this room, those of you who are joining online, especially if you're visiting with us. We are really, really glad that you're here. And I've prayed that in these next few minutes, amidst the busyness of this season, as we stop and listen to the voice of God, that God might draw you close to Himself, maybe for the first time, truly into a relationship with Him in the next few minutes for others of you maybe in a fresh way on this Christmas Eve. All month long here at NBC, we have been thinking together about the sound of hope, about biblical foundations behind familiar songs at Christmas. With Christmas carols, we have a tendency to kind of put our minds into automatic and we can just kind of sing these words without thinking about the wonder of what they mean. So over the last few weeks, we've taken songs like, "O oh, Come, O oh, Come, Emmanuel, and thought, what does it mean that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us? How does that change my life today, and my marriage, and my parenting, and my job? Or Hark the Herald Angels Sing, what does it mean to hark? And why were these angels singing like that? Or what was so holy about that night that would make slaves brothers? And one day cause oppression to cease. That's quite a claim. Now what's interesting is the song we're going to look at tonight and then sing a few minutes from now, though it's one of the most famous Christmas songs of the last 300 years, it actually wasn't written for Christmas. And it wasn't written about Jesus's birth. It was the early 1700s. A man named Isaac Watts was pushing the envelope in the church and making a lot of people uncomfortable. You see, songs that were sung in the church in that day were sung almost verbatim from the Bible, and specifically from the songs, psalms, the 150 psalms and poems that we find at the center of the Bible. Isaac Watts, though, was frustrated. He looked around at people singing this Hebrew poetry in the church, and there seemed to be a lack of emotion and feeling, and like it wasn't connecting with their hearts and engaging their minds in their language. So Watts started to write poems and songs based on biblical truths, but using language and music that would resonate more with the hearts and the minds of those who were singing them. And in 1719, he published a book of poems in which each poem was based on an individual psalm. And he tried to do two things. First, he tried to put the truths from that psalm into everyday language that would connect with people. And second... He connected those truths in the Old Testament, specifically with Jesus in the New Testament. And one of the psalms he wrote a poem for was Psalm 98. So I'm going to put it up here on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. And I want to read it to you. And as I do, I want you to try to guess which song we sing at Christmas based upon this psalm. Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Let's pause there. Anybody got a guess? What song we sing at Christmas based on this song? This is the audience participation part of our program. And any guesses? All right, I tell you what, we'll, we'll keep going. I think this next verse may help. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in a joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now you know which one it is. Joy to the world. Good job. And I think somebody might have even said it earlier. Well done. This group down here is on it. Joy to the world. Now it makes sense. Make a joyful noise, all the earth. But here's what's so interesting. When Isaac Watts wrote the poem that we sing as a Christmas carol, he actually wasn't looking back, writing about Christmas, the night when Jesus was born. No, Isaac Watts wrote this poem in 1719. Based on this psalm, looking forward to the day when Jesus will come back. The day when Jesus, the Lord, will come to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And thinking about that day in the future, based on this psalm, Isaac Watts wrote these words. So let's do what we've done the last few weeks. Let's just read this out loud together. But now with that background, not necessarily looking back, but this poem written looking forward to the day Jesus will return, let's read this out loud all together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, and heaven, and nature sing. It's really hard just to read, isn't it? And, and heaven, and... So, anyway. That was really bad. This is why I, I do the preaching, not the singing. So, anyway, keep going with me. Now we're reading. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. One more verse. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Isn't that fascinating? Joy to the world. Not the Lord has come, but the Lord is come. As in, the Lord is coming. And on that day when he comes, the earth will receive her king. So every heart, get ready, because all heaven and nature on that day are going to sing. Now, none of this means that joy to the world should not be sung at Christmas, and we should officially cancel it as of tonight. Because there's no question that Isaac Watts wrote that poem thinking about Jesus, and there's so much here that applies to his coming 2,000 years ago. Indeed, all nature, all nations, and all people sing for joy because Jesus has come. It may not have been exactly what was on Isaac Watts' mind when he wrote this poem, but this is all over the Bible. You just think about even the role of nature, how God designed, arranged the stars in the sky to announce the coming of His Son. Or just picture it from the shepherd's point of view, looking at that sky. I've spent time in Palestinian and North African deserts with shepherds before. I think about sitting in northern Egypt with some men and their families under a tent in what seemed like the middle of nowhere, And two things in particular stuck out to me. One was the vast landscape all around me. Shepherds and their families spend their entire lives outside amidst the beauty and glory of God's creation. As a result, a shepherd has a unique perspective on the beauty and glory of God the Creator Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Do you hear that? The heavens, the skies are declaring, they're proclaiming, they're speaking, they're displaying things about God, about his glory all the time. So let's think about that for a minute. So a little more audience participation here, particularly with the kids. Uh, But adults, feel free to join in. I want to show you a picture on the screen. And then I want you to shout out loud what this picture makes you think about God. So if the heavens are declaring and proclaiming the glories of God, then what are these pictures declaring? What are they saying? So just think, when I look at this picture, I see that God is fill in the blank. So when you look at this picture, you see that God is what? Majestic. What else? Peace. Brave. What was that one over here? Whatever you said. That was awesome. I couldn't hear you. I don't totally understand. Sorry. What else? Calm. Mighty. All right. How about this one? When you look at this picture... You see that God is what? Peaceful, beautiful, mighty, colorful, loving, happy, merciful. These are so good. What about this one? When you see this in the sky, what is the sky declaring about God? He is. Yes, yes, all those. They're so good. <laughs> all of you, way up there. It was awesome. So so much. Now, how about this one? What is this picture declaring about who God is? He is majestic, powerful. Yes, all these things. Are so good. I feel bad. I'm not understanding every single one of them. This is, all right, one more. One more. When you look at the sky, what does this picture declare about God? He is what? everlasting creator oh do you see how the heavens all of creation are shouting they're speaking so imagine lying as a shepherd every night looking up at those stars like this being constantly surrounded by declarations in creation about the creator of it all now at the same time Let's remember that a shepherd's life and job is not necessarily glamorous. I remember sitting in that Egyptian desert surrounded by animals on all sides. I was actually surprised by the variety of animals I saw. Sometimes we think of simply a shepherd and some sheep. And yes, sheep were there. But there were all kinds of other animals too. So here's what I want to do. I want to to play some different animal sounds. And I want to see if you can guess what animal they are. So again, we're just trying to step into the shoes, or maybe the ears, of these shepherds on that night when Jesus was born. So imagine hearing some of these sounds. What is this sound? Crickets. Crickets. Well done. All right. So let's keep going. They'll get progressively a little more challenging. What about this sound? What is this sound? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. that is a donkey all right a lot of you got it there's a couple cows in there but at least at the beginning there was like whoa it's a very sick cow no it's a donkey all right all right what about this one frog now let's be honest shepherds in the middle of the desert probably aren't hearing a lot of frogs but just thought I'd throw in a familiar sound all right keep going what is this one That is a sheep, that is sheep, not a goat, that was a sheep. All right, what about this one? All right, that is our wolves. Let's everybody give our best wolf sound. This is so fun. This is exactly what all of you pictured coming to a Christmas Eve service, like howling. (laughs) All right, all right, two more, two more sounds. All right, first one. What is this? All right, I'm I'm hearing some different things. I heard tiger, I heard bear, lions, oh my. Camel, camel. That was the sound of a camel. All right, last sound. Are you ready? Last sound. Now you got to listen to this all the way. So don't don't start shouting out until you hear the whole thing. All right, here we go. What was that? That was a camel spitting. I told you, being a shepherd is not necessarily a glamorous job. So imagine the scene then. So you're surrounded by all these creatures with creation all around you shouting the glory of God in the sky. And then all of a sudden, that sky lights up in the middle of the night in a way you've never seen it before. And in your sight, you are looking at a being that's more beautiful than you've ever seen before. An angel who in the middle of that night sky proclaims, I bring you good news of great what? Joy that will be for all the people. That sounds like joy to the world. Why? because the Lord has come born to you unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the what? the Lord Wait a minute like the God whose glory you see in creation around you every day the the creator who gives all of these creatures life the one who covers those mountains with snow the one who forms that rainbow in the sky the one who sends that lightning and it obeys who carves those canyons the one who sets every single one of those stars in place and calls them each by name this God has come to us? Why has he done this? And this is the epic question. What is the reason for God coming to us? What we celebrate at Christmas, and the answer is breathtaking. Because even though God created all of these amazing, beautiful things, he created something even more amazing, even more beautiful. He created you and me. In his image, unlike anything else in all creation with the ability, capacity to know, And enjoy and be in relationship with him. But here's the epic problem in every one of our lives and in the world around us. We have all, every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest in this gathering. From the richest to the poorest. Whoever you are, wherever you have been, wherever you are from, you and I are guilty of sin against an infinitely good and holy God. And our sin separates us from God, and we feel the effects of this separation all around us, don't we, in evil and suffering and sickness and viruses and death? All of these things ultimately are a result of sin in the world. And if we die in this state of separation from God, we will spend eternity in judgment before him. And what God himself tells us is an everlasting, never-ending suffering. But this is why he came, because God loves us. And he wants you and me, and all people to be saved from our sins. That's what Jesus' name means, the Lord saves. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, who has come to us to live the life none of us could live, a life of no sin. And then, even though he had no sin for which to die, he chose to die to pay the price for sin. And then after he died, three days later, he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death so that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you have done, you can be saved from all your sin and restored to relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Indeed, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. That's the question then. For every single one of us, right where you are sitting right now, listening, watching online, have you confessed Jesus as Lord and King of your life? From the youngest to the oldest, richest to the poorest in this room. Notice, I am not asking if you celebrate Christmas traditions or if you go to church or you sing songs or pray occasional prayers. Your eternity hinges on an accurate answer to this question, is Jesus the Lord and King of your heart, truly? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes, in your heart, and I want to invite you tonight to make this the moment when you trust in Jesus as Lord and King of your life once and for all. I heard a story this week about Chester and Laneth who serve in Access, our special needs ministry. Chester's parents live in Malaysia and years ago, when this room was being constructed to be a place where we as a church could gather together for worship. Some of you were here, you remember people wrote names of friends and family members on the floor underneath this carpet. People you were praying would come to know Jesus as a picture of this church existing to lead people to Jesus. Well, Chester and Laneth wrote down Chester's parents' names. They live in Malaysia. They are animistic. Actually, so they worship their ancestors as well as all kinds of spirits, God's idols that fill their home. And for years since then, Chester and laneth have shared the gospel over and over and over again with his parents to no avail until last month when both his mom and his dad ended up getting COVID and being hospitalized. And Chester's mom, right before she went into the hospital, said, I am ready to put my faith in Jesus. And she did. And then when she was alone with Chester's dad in the hospital, both of them struggling with COVID, she told him she had trusted in Jesus and she led her husband to do the same. He said, I wanna put my faith in Jesus, both Chester's parents trusted in Jesus as Lord and King of their lives. And then, just a few days later, Chester's dad died. And you might think that's a sad ending to this story, but you would be missing the point. Yes, without question, we grieve over death anytime it happens. But when you know Jesus as Lord and King, you know that death is not the end of the story. That death leads to eternal life in Jesus. When you know Jesus as Lord and King, you have reason to sing. You have reason for joy no matter what this world brings, even death itself. And that is why Isaac Watts wrote this poem. Not because he was looking back, but because he was looking forward, because he knew what we all know that this world is full of. Challenges, trials, hurts, heartaches, pain, and grief. Here we are Two years after, a virus was found, and it's still spreading, and we're still surrounded by tensions, including some around our family tables. We have different pains and wounds and strains and struggles. To be completely vulnerable, I've found myself experiencing lower lows than I ever have in my life, and I don't think I'm alone. So how can we sing for joy? All nature, all nations, and all people sing for joy because Jesus is coming back. We can sing for joy because we're looking forward and we know challenges, trials, hurts, heartache, pain, and grief will not have the last word. Viruses, tensions, struggles, sorrow, and death itself will not have the last word Because a day is coming when Jesus, the Lord, will come to judge the earth with righteousness. And as Isaac Watts put it on that day, sins and sorrows will grow no more. There's coming a day when... All creation, Psalm 98 describes it as seas and hills and rivers will clap their hands and sing because no more thorns will infest the ground. Instead, only blessings will flow far as the curse is found. The curse of sin and all of its effects will be completely overcome by the blessings of God and he will rule the world. And all who worship him in it with truth and grace. And all the nations will know and see the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Everyone from every nation who trusts in Jesus will enjoy the wonders of his love forever and ever. So is Jesus the Lord and King of your heart? There is no more important question for you to answer before God on this Christmas Eve than this question. Is Jesus the Lord and King truly of your life? Will you bow your heads with me all across this room, online, wherever you are, just for us to pause right now before God. Just you before God, right where you're sitting. and Before God is Jesus, the King and Lord of your heart and life. And put yourself in Chester's dad's shoes. Do you know that if you were to die tonight... You would enter into eternal life with God. And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, then I invite you, I urge you right now in this holy moment to say to God in your heart, God, I have sinned against you. And I deserve judgment before you. But I believe you love me and I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, to rise from the grave It's Lord. And I put my trust tonight, in this moment, I trust in Jesus as Lord and King of my life. The Bible says, and all who call on the name of Jesus as Lord will be saved from their sin restored to relationship with God oh God i pray for that truth to become a reality in hearts all across this room right now and beyond as people are watching or listening Now or even in the future, God, we pray, we pray that our hearts would be prepared for that day when either you return, Lord Jesus, or when we breathe our last breath. And not just on that day, Jesus, we praise you for the joy you bring us today, for the confidence we have that you have overcome this world for the peace we have in you, Jesus, for the strength we find in you, for the hope we have in you, for the joy, for the reason we have to sing in you. And so we look back and we praise you with joy for coming to us. And we look forward to the day when you will come back. Come Lord Jesus, come quickly and help us in this weary and wearying world to hold fast faith in you until the day we see your face and we sing for joy. And we experience your joy in your presence for ever and ever. We pray all of these things in your name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.